Hey, this is Steve with Life Worth Living. Have you ever asked God why? Why did you do that, God? Or why did you do this? Why did you let that happen to me? When you ask that question, you're asking God about his purpose, about his motives. And here's the fundamental reason why God does virtually everything that he does. It's to make you into the best version of you possible. He wants to change you into a better person. I know change isn't easy, but it becomes a lot more bearable when you realize the end result is a better you, a better you than who you are today. So listen into today's podcast and see that God's purpose is to change our lives for the better. God's purpose is to change people's lives for the better. God's motive, his desire, his good pleasure, his will, whatever you want to call it, is he wants to change your life for the better. He wants your life to be better a month from now than it is today. He wants your life to be better a year from now than it is today and to continue progressively on until the day that you pass on to glory. God wants your life to change. Do you want your life to change? <laughs> is there something you wish you could change about yourself? All right. Hey, if, if you do, you're on the same page with God. So I'm going to share a little something with you here. I am. <laughs> I'm going to start making YouTube videos. YouTube, I'm going to have my own YouTube channel. I already filmed my first one right back in that corner over there. It's geared towards managers and supervisors. That's where my heart is, is to help leaders become better leaders. And it's geared towards the business world. And uh, in my first video, that's I'm going to try to publish it this week, um, I, I, I address the number one reason why teams don't perform well. The number one reason. Now, I'm not talking about football teams or baseball. I'm talking about business teams, office teams, people who work together that try to get something done. Whether you're an engineer, whether you're real estate, whether you're over corporate overhead, whatever it is, if you work, you're on a team. <laughs> there's just no, there's no place, even in life, where you're not, you're just working in isolation. If you are, you're in a really bad place. God, I mean, families are teams. Churches are teams, not-for-profits are teams, businesses are teams. There's a number one reason why teams don't perform well, even football teams, <laughs> all right? And it's this, they lack clarity of team purpose. They've forgotten why they're a team to begin with, all right? I think of the great John Wooden, one more basketball NCAA Division I championships than I think anybody to date has ever won. His purpose, his team purpose was not to win games. That was not why he had his team. His team was to develop men that could be something in life. That was his purpose. The byproduct, what happened just naturally was they won more games than, I don't know, countless games and, count, and, and numerous championships, all right? Teams forget why they're a team. They're focused on the what and the how, but they lose sight of why they're doing what they're doing. We do this in church all the time. We go to church. That's not the purpose of church. 
to go to church. That's not the purpose to come here on Sunday mornings. We want to be the church. There's an identity here. There's a purpose here. There's a driving motivation here. And we need to figure out what that is. I guarantee you ask most people in church why they're going to church. I don't think we even know why we do it. We have a little inkling, a little thing here or there. My parents, you know, went to church. I've always done it. That's the worst answer in the world, by the way. <laughs> why do you do that? I don't know. I've always done it that way. Bad answer. Got to know why you're doing what you're doing. The purpose on this YouTube video, I, I argue that the purpose of work is always to meet someone else's need or to solve someone else's problem. Now, I've been buried in corporate overhead. In other words, with hundreds of other employees around and you get lost in the shuffle and you go to work every day and you do the same thing and then you go home and it's just like, a, they call it a rat race. You're just going over and over and you wonder why is this meaningless? What is this insanity that I'm doing? They're paying me to do. It's the, it's the curse of the middle class. It's not the American dream. I'm, it's, I'm cursed because now I have a house payment, a car payment, and I have to do what I don't like to do. And now it's a curse. It's not a blessing. But anyways, every team is meant to help someone else. So in, a, in the business world, this team, let's say you're an accounting team, helps this team so that this team can help the, the customer. If we lose sight of helping someone else, we lose our purpose the business folds or goes into plateau and, and never amounts to anything. The purpose of work is to meet someone else's need or to solve someone else's problem. If you just stop and think about it, you will agree with me heart and soul. That's the purpose of work. As soon as you start doing it just for yourself, what about the other team and what about the customer and things just go south from there? Organizational teams that work for one another ultimately meet the need of the customer and good things happen if they're self-centered. I've already described what happens. So whenever you get with your team, let's say you have a team of 10 people and you're the team leader and you express to them the purpose of why they're doing what they're doing, their performance is going to go through the ceiling because they're excited. If, you, if, if people do things for a reason, it pulls at their heartstrings, they're going to problem solve for you. They're going to be engaged for you. They're going to go to bat for you. They're going to do things even when you don't ask them to do them because they understand why we're doing this. We're doing it for somebody else. So <laughs> I'll give an example. There's this movie, Here Comes the Boom. All right. Has anybody seen it? Maybe. Maybe so. A few of us. My family pretty decent movie might have a cuss word or two I don't think it has much but it's it's a decent movie and we try to be really careful with what what we watch all right garbage in garbage out all right so anyways this movie is about this the school teacher who has completely lost a sense of purpose he's not teaching his class he gets into class he shuts down he ignores his class for the entire hour and he's late to school and whatnot. Something happens though, and this guy gets a sense of purpose. The, the music program in that public school folds, and he decides he's gonna go try to raise funding for, for that music program, and the whole movie's about him being a UFC fighter. 
because he was a wrestler in college and he's trying to raise all this money. But through that, he gets his purpose back as a teacher. And he's there teaching his class and he's, he's bruised and beaten from his, his fights at night. <laughs> but he gets his purpose back and his, his class comes to life because they see, they, they're learning. That's what school is all about is to learn, right? God wants to get a hold of you and he wants to give you purpose. He wants to get you up in the morning. You can't wait to go do what God wants you to do. You're enthusiastic. You're excited. And let me tell you what, when you get excited, the people around you are going to get excited as well. It rubs off. All right. God has a purpose for your life and he has a purpose for our lives collectively here to do something in 2022. And I'm excited about what God has in store for us, the 40 or 50 people that we are. God has good plans for us. So for the last several weeks on Wednesday nights throughout, the, throughout December, I wish so bad all of you could come on Wednesday nights. I believe one of these days you will be coming Wednesday nights. It's exciting. We've been talking about the purpose of the church. Discovering, not talking about it, discovering the purpose of the church. We've broken into little groups, read some scriptures, and said, what is this telling us? Why do we do what we do? What, what's the motivation for this? And what I'd like to do is share what we pulled together those four or five nights and share it with you today. Because it's been, throughout Christmas, it's just been getting stronger and stronger and more exciting in my life. Look at in Acts 2, verses 42 through 47, what the early church purpose was. And it was, it was a really five things, but let's read through it. It says they devoted themselves. The early church devoted themselves. Let me tell you what, if you're devoted to something, it's because you have purpose. You're devoted to it. You're excited about it. You're thinking about it. You're obsessed with it. They devoted themselves to the apostles teaching, to the fellowship of breaking of bread and to prayer. We're going to pull all of these things out here in just a second. Any, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. It was not a commune. <laughs> many people want to believe that the early church was just a commune. It was not. They just shared their stuff. If you need my car, take my car. If, if you need some food, let me help you. If you need some money, let me help you out. It wasn't a commune. They just shared things in common because they cared for each other. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. Does it said they sold all their property and all their possessions? No. They sold their excess to be able to help people out. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They came to church because they had a reason to come to church. They wanted to come to church. They had purpose. They broke bread and ate together and had glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Look at this. The first thing that I get out of here in terms of purpose is they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Why do we want to be taught? Just curious. What's the purpose of being taught? It's to learn, right? That's why we're taught. They had the purpose of learning. Now, I look in schools. I look at 
my kids are in school. And the first grade after they take is, what grade did you get? I should be asking, what did you learn? But our whole school system is so fouled up and messed up. It's about getting the kids through their grades without ever asking, did these kids learn anything? <laughs> we got the star exam or whatever it's called. And we got, oh, thank goodness, we got another 400 kids pushed through the next grade, another 1,000. That's not the question teachers and education, educators should be asking. Did they learn something? And we need to be asking ourselves, did I just go to church, go through the motions, or did I learn something today? That's the purpose, is to learn about Jesus' example. Here's the next thing. It said they fellowship. They broke bread together. They were in each other's homes, enjoying each other's company. The next purpose that we see is they belonged to the family of God. They belonged. I dare say that many of us do come to church for this very purpose. We feel a sense of belonging. We feel a sense of belonging. Now, if, if I, my wife, I, I, my wife provides warmth to our home, warmth to this church. Can you imagine if I told my wife, I'll see you every Sunday morning. <laughs> That's all I need to do is just see my wife every Sunday morning. That's not a family. Come on. I want to encourage you to come together more often than once a week. Do it more than once a week. Come to the warmth of the family of God more frequently, and you're going to see why. There's deeper purpose in there. But they had a sense of belonging. The other thing, they prayed and they praised. Why, why, would, why do you pray and praise? Because you love Jesus. You love Jesus. Jesus. You love God the Father. I love the Holy Spirit. I love God. That's why we worship. To say we worship is to express love to God. Express love to God. That's all worship is. It's not a song, although we worship through singing. It's not, it's not many things. It's, it's loving God. The other thing that we see here is they gave. And I'll never forget on Wednesday night, we were going through this. We'd gone through several of these things, and then Jesse said, wait a second, it says here, they gave. They gave. What is our purpose? Why do you give, by the way? You give to show love to people. That's, that's the motivation for giving. It should be the motivation. If you're giving to look good, then obviously Jesus says, hey, that's bad. That's your only reward. But if you love with proper motivation, if you give with proper motivation to love people, you're not going to care if you're seen or not. You're, you're focused on that person being loved, feeling your love, and you're out of the picture. The purpose is about meeting someone else's need, about solving someone else's problem. But the fourth thing, the fifth thing, excuse me here, that I see is uh, this last one, the Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. Saved from what? Saved from hell on earth. Saved from hell in eternity. Rescued, helped, snatched from the fire, pulled out of a pit of despair, of suicidal thoughts. Saved, pulled out. What are we here to do? We are here to rescue people. I won't tell you which business I was in, but I was talking to two men two weeks ago, 
and both uh, of the Catholic persuasion. And we were talking about Jesus. I believe these men know Jesus, man. As I was talking to them, they said, you know what, but we don't, we don't proselytize. And I was like, why? <laughs> if you have the answer, if Jesus is the answer, why wouldn't you tell other people and try to convince them that the truth is in Jesus Christ? And I found the truth that's helped me. I am going to tell the world about Jesus. I'm going to do it. One of these men said, you know what? The reality is all religions lead to the same place. I said, you and me, we believe the same thing. Catholic or Christian, we believe Jesus is the Son of God, right? He said, yeah, absolutely. I said, Jesus said that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man can get to the Father, that's God, except through him. I said, either Jesus was a stinking liar or he was exactly who he said he was. And he was the true one and all he said was true. The only way to God is through Jesus. Every other religion is leading to the same place. And that's hell. Every other religion. It's scary. If we really, really believe this, we better be telling every soul about Jesus and setting an example for every single person we come into contact with. All right. So... That's, that's in Acts 2.42. I'll reinforce this through the great commandment and the great commission. The great commandment, the great commission. All right, all of this is packaged up neatly and wonderfully in Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Life. Now, I'll tell you what, he came out with this years ago. I read it multiple times, and honestly, I got tired of it. I got tired of reading it. I got tired of thinking about it, but it's been just resurrected in me <laughs> and 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 brought to clarity man I want to be purpose driven I want to be purpose driven but the, the the great commandment the great commission look at this great commandment Matthew 22 verses 34 through 40 it says one of them an expert in the law Pharisee tested Jesus with this question saying teacher which is the greatest commandment in the law now look at this he was asking, what should we do? And isn't that what we always do? God, tell me what I should do, all right? I just got laid off. I keep asking God, God, what should I do? What, 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 what? Tell me how, tell me when, tell me what. But look at how Jesus responds. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind, this is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbors yourself. All the law and all the prophets hang on these two commandments. And look at this. Jesus doesn't tell them what to do. Instead, he tells them why to do it. Do everything that you do for love's sake. Because if you do things for the right reason, you will do the right things. You will do the right things. How do I know this? Well, I'm jumping ahead a little bit here, but in Romans 13, 8, it says, leave no debt remaining or outstanding except the continuing debt of love to one another. Whoever loves others fulfills the law. If you get your purpose right, you will do the right thing. <laughs> we're, we're forever demanding of God Tell me what to do. And God forever is telling us why we're to do 
what we're to do. Look at this. He didn't really tell Joshua too much of what to do. He just told him how to be. <laughs> he said, be strong and courageous. It's more about why. Let's get to the motivation of what we're doing instead of constantly focusing on the what. In Galatians 5.14, we hear it yet again. Uh, the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. The purpose, the purpose, the motivation, the motivation. If your motivations are right, you will do the right things. Then we look at the Great Commission in Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20. It says, therefore go, Jesus says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So we got in the great commandment, love the Lord your God, love people, show people that you love them. But here we have the other three, go and make disciples. In other words, go rescue people from destruction. Look at people, they're destroying themselves with drugs, with alcohol, being married multiple times. A child abuse rampant. Now, human trafficking is a significant, severe concern that we have in this very nation right here, right now. People are destroying themselves. They need to become disciples of Jesus so they'll stop being so self-destructive. We talked to a little teenage girl, and she showed us where she had been cutting herself. Self-destruction. We need to rescue those that are, need to be rescued. Rescue the helpless. Then it says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. What is that? When you're baptized, you belong. You, you're baptized into the family of, of God. You belong. So it's a sign of, of belonging, of warmth, of being a part of what God has called us to be a part of. And then lastly, teaching them to obey. We've already talked about this. Learning, knowing God more. The Bible says to grow in the grace and the knowledge of God. What are you doing to know God more? Because it's really on you. It's on each one of us. You have got to know God more. You've got to pursue God. You've got to seek God. And if you will, you will know him more. You will learn more about him. But in all of this, so let's just look at these five things just one more time. Learn, belong, love God, love people, and rescue the helpless. <laughs> That's the purpose of the church. That's what we're to be doing. This is the reason for which we're to be doing these things. But it goes just a little deeper than this. If you could sum all of these five, why do we do these five things to, 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 to drive deeper? There's one purpose, and let me go through each of these asking these questions. What happens when you learn more about God and know more about God? What happens to you personally when you learn something new about Jesus? It changes you. It changes you. Everything I've ever learned about God has changed something inside of me. If I learn something that I didn't know about, it changes me. 
It changes the way I act. It changes the way I behave. Look at this. What happens when you love God with all your heart so that you begin to pray and praise him? What happens to you? It changes you. When you love God more, see here in the church we'll tell you, you need to pray more. You need to go to church more. You need to read your Bible more. And it's true. Why? So that you can change. So that you can become a better person. So that you can become a more powerful person, a victorious person, a loving person, a patient person, a humble person. When you love God more, you will change. So why do we want to love God more? To change. Amen. Why? What happens when you love people so much that you give of yourself to them? What happens to you? You change. You become a better person, a stronger person, a more confident person, a more loving person. It changes you. What happens when you feel like you belong to the family of God? You're no longer a reject. You're no, not that you're a reject outside of the church, but you no longer feel rejected. You no longer feel isolated, but you feel like you belong. What happens to you? You change. It changes you to feel like you belong and you're not by yourself out there, cast off, cast away. What happens to others when they feel like you've rescued them from where they've been at? It changes them. To be rescued is to be changed. A while back, several years ago, there was several, I think like 12 little kids. Was it in Singapore? can't remember anyways they got trapped down in a cave they were down there for days days I I mean like weeks down there and these these guys got down there these cave divers got down there and rescued those kids what happened to those kids they were changed they will never forget that event in their life we'll never see another cave in the way they probably saw it either they were changed all of these things change you you change and that's the purpose of God for your life is to change you to become a different person a better person a new person a person whose old self is dying away day after day after day that's why the apostle Paul said I die daily I want to be a different person God's ultimate purpose is to change who you are and you might say well I like who I am well Maybe there's some of you to be liked, but I bet you there's some of you that isn't to be liked very much. All right, let's look at some of these changes. To to take an addict to a free person, that's a good change. That's a change that I think we can all agree, whether we're in the church or not in the church, is a good change. God saves addicts. To go from being out of control to self-control. I've always had the tendency to be wild. I don't know what it is about me. All right, my parents probably don't see. I've always had a tendency to be wild inside of me. But you know, as God has gotten a hold of my life, I'm more self-controlled. More self-controlled. He's changed me to go from hatred and anger to love, from lust to love, from evil to good, from laziness to being a hard worker. From being self-centered to be God-centered and others-centered. To be obsessed 
to finally relaxing. An obsessed person has a tough, tough time relaxing. I know that from experience. God wants to change you if you're obsessive compulsive. He wants to help you relax and rest. From being distracted to being focused. From being sick to being whole. From being disturbed in your mind to being peaceful in your mind. He wants to change you. From being abused to being safe. From poverty to abundance. From hopelessness to purposefulness. From being a control freak to being completely chilled out and flexible. When life comes at you and changes your direction, you say, it's all right. I'm going to be flexible. All right? We all tend to be controlling in some form or fashion. All right, if so if God's purpose is to change us for the better, then our purpose should be to cooperate with him and let him change us. How does he change us? Well, he lets things happen to us. Circumstances of life come. God lets them happen. Bad things happen. And it changes us for the better if we'll let it. If we'll let it. Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, be changed by the renewing of your mind. Why do we need to be changed? Well, originally, God's purpose was for us to be created in the image of God, the perfect image of God. Does that mean we were to become divine gods and goddesses? No, just in the image of God, like God. We see in Genesis 1, Verses 26 through 31, in the, in the account of creation, God said, let us make mankind in our own image, in our likeness. Why? So that he may rule. He wants you to be in charge of your life, not being out of control, not being a victim of your thoughts, not being a victim of your desires, but be self-controlled. That's part of being in the image of God. Can you see how you're missing that image? <laughs> the way we eat, the way we react when somebody ticks us off, the way we, what we do when things go wrong, all right? We mess up. We've the image of God has been marred. We're not who we should be. He said in verse 28, God blessed them and said, "You'll be fruitful and increase." How many times have you wished you could be effective and fruitful and increase and it didn't work out that way? You ended up dry. You ended up a lack of success, failed. God wants you to be created in the image of God so that you don't fail. You're fruitful. God said, I'll give you everything, <laughs> everything. Are you missing something in your life? It's because we're not there in the image of God the way that we should be. And it's so it was. In the time of creation, God saw that everything he had made was very good. Is everything in your life very good? <laughs> Not in my life. No, I want to be changed in the image of Jesus so that things can be very good in my life. That's why in Psalms 8 verses 4 through 6, it says, What is mankind that you're mindful of him and humans that you care for them? You made them originally a little lower than the angels and crowned him with glory and honor, making him ruler over all the works of your hands and put, putting them everything under his feet. 
that's how God intended it to be in your life. That was his purpose. But sin, <laughs> sin came in and messed everything up. Steve Norman is not in the image of Jesus every day and even most of the day. <laughs> I fail. I mess up. But I want to be changed. Amen. I want to be changed. I want to conform, be transformed through the renewing of my mind to become more in the image of my Savior, of my Master, of my Lord. I'm telling you, we're different from the animals. It just gets on my last nerve when somebody says in a scientific periodical that we're just another animal. That just burns me up. We're not animals. I'll tell you what, if you think you're an animal, you're going to act like an animal. And that's what goes on. Whether you're liberal, liberal or conservative, people are like animals going through destroying blocks or going to the Capitol and protesting in a means that they shouldn't have animals you know why they act like animals because they've been told they're an animal they're just a higher species of animal the bible is very clear you and me we're not animals we're not to act like animals we're different scientifically we're different complex reasoning that we have complex language all right complex problem solving the ability to be introspective and think about who we are Meaning of life, spiritually we're different. What animal out there has religion? No other. What other animal goes and argues about whether God exists or doesn't exist? None. We have soulfulness that animals don't have. We have questions about the afterlife and the meaning of life that animals don't have. We were created differently and we need to accept that fact. Any other argument is not scientific. It's very spiritual. It comes from the pit of hell to believe that we're animals. It says in Ecclesiastes 3.11 that he has set eternity in the human heart. In other words, we think beyond the span of our lifetime. We realize when we go to a funeral and there's our loved one there, they're somewhere else. <laughs> that life continues somewhere else. So we've been created in God's image, but sin has distorted that image, and we've lost the ability to control ourselves and to control our environment. And that drives us completely crazy because God intended us for us to rule, not in a dictatorial or uh, mean way, but he intended us to be in control. And when we don't have that, it's very frustrating. It's all summed up in James 1.14. Don't worry, I'm almost done here. Every person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Never forget talking to this highly intelligent individual. Highly. He had started businesses, sold businesses, made a buku of money. He was a smart, articulate guy. And he said, Steve, I can do anything. He was extremely prideful too, arrogant. He said, I can do anything I want to. He said, I used to have, I, I, I had and have a smoking problem. He said, you know what? I quit for a year and proved to myself that I didn't have to smoke anymore. And there he was puffing his <laughs> cigarette as he was talking to me. And you know what I told him? I said, if you're really in control, you could quit and never go back to it again. And the guy shut up. All right? We think we're in control. 
we're dragged away by our own desires. We have no control. Our image has been broken. We need to be changed. So we get back to the place where 2 Timothy 1.7 says, I've given you a spirit of self-control. What? Because he's changed us. He's changed us, praise God. I won't read all of these because we're running short on time, but in Isaiah 53, 6 and Psalms 5, 9 and Romans 3, it shows how our, the image of God has just been broken in our lives and how messed up we are morally, how messed up we are mentally, how messed up we are physically. We're messed up. We need to be changed. We need to be changed. The image of God has been made in us. Definitely it's been distorted. We need to be changed. And Jesus is the answer. <laughs> Through Jesus, we're transformed back into the image that God originally had intended for us. And it's our driving purpose to be transformed back to the way that God wants us to be. Our driving purpose. That's why we do all the things that we do as Christians. The Son of God, in Hebrews 1, 3, it says, The Son of God is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Jesus is a perfect image of God that we look at. That's why the Bible says, fix your eyes on Jesus because he's the example, the pattern that we need to follow. He sustains all things through his powerful word. But look at this. He has provided purification for our sins why? So that we can be transformed back into that image that God has for us. Romans 12, 2, I remind you, ending with this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed through the renewing of your mind. Before we talk about how, before we talk about what, what is our purpose? I want to be changed. I want to be changed. It starts with just that purpose, that desire, that passion I want every day to be a little bit changed, more and more and more and more. And God, with God's help, I'm going to accomplish that with his help. Rick Warren says this, if you change the way you think, you'll change the way you feel. If you change the way you feel, you'll change the way you behave. All right? We're always trying to change our behaviors without changing our feelings, without changing our thinking. And we hate the way we feel. I feel depressed today. I feel sad today. I feel angry today. I feel happy today. I'll tell you what. You get to where your thoughts are in sync with the purpose of God. Your feelings are going to follow and your behavior will follow that. All right? Praise God. All right? So God's purpose is to change us for the better. Let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord God. Lord, I have my vices. <laughs> I have my vices. They're embarrassing. Lord, I'm not a perfect person. I don't claim to be, and I never will be until I'm fully sanctified there in heaven. But, Lord, I am going to get better and better with your help. I'm, I'm seeking not perfection. I'm just seeking improvement. <laughs> Lord, just one day at a time, getting better and better. As you perfect me, as you sanctify me, as you change me, Lord, oh, my life is just going to get better as a result. And my family's life is going to get better. And my church is going to get better. And this world is going to get better as I get better. 
Lord, I thank you, God, for showing us this morning the whole reason for everything that we do as Christians, Lord, it's to change. It's to be transformed more and more back into that original pattern that God had in mind for each and every one of us. Lord, help us to jump on this horse and say, God, I'm going with you. <laughs> I'm going with you. Lord, with your help, tomorrow will be a better day, and next week will be better, and next month will be better, next year will be better. I'm just going to keep getting better and better with your power and with your help. You see, I can't do it on my own, Lord. I've tried. Every time I make a New Year's resolution, I fall flat on my face. By February, it's gone and forgotten. <laughs> but Lord God, I praise you, Lord. I praise you, Lord, for helping me to set faith goals with a purpose of change, purpose of transformation. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Lord, I pray for each and every person here today, God, that we would contemplate what has been discussed today, what has been mentioned today, this week. Help us to think about that, these things this week, and come back next Sunday prepared to start setting some faith goals for this year with the proper motivation, the proper purpose, some faith goals for 2022, Lord, that will break through these glass ceilings that we've had for so long, break through these barriers that have held us back, break these chains that have held us back so long, because finally we're doing things for the right reason and not just for selfish improvement, Lord, but for your, Lord, for your glory, oh God, in us. And we thank you, Heavenly Father, for it. In your name we pray these things. Amen.